Hi there, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 192 and today I'd like to talk about storytelling and second brains, uh, a little bit about homeschool record keeping And I have a blog post to share with you. And I'm sure there will be other things along the way that I'll be chatting about. Now, like always, I must apologize for the long break between podcast episodes. Yes, I seem to continually coming back and saying, hey, it's been a while since I last recorded a podcast. And yeah, that's true, isn't it? I'm thinking about podcasting today for two reasons. One is that my podcast hosting fees are due again in a week or so. And I've been thinking about how many podcast episodes I made in the last 12 months. Was it worth paying all that money Um, for the podcast hosting. Well, I don't think it was because at the most I recorded two episodes and maybe I'm sneaking another one in before the new year begins. Also, I've been reading a book about storytelling and another one about creating second brains. And I was thinking, I really want to tell somebody about these books. And every time I sat down to write about them for a blog post, yeah, it didn't sound very interesting. I don't know if I'll be able to do a better job in a podcast, but I'm going to give it a go. Right, the first book. What have I been reading? I've been doing a lot of reading recently. I, well, for the last three years, this is the third year that I've really made an effort with my reading. Before that, I lost my focus, my concentration. I don't know if any of you have ever felt like this, but I'd open a book up and it might be a book I really want to read and I'd read a page or two, well, at the most, and then I would think about my emails and Oh, has anybody liked a post of mine on Instagram? And I wonder what the weather's going to be like in the next hour. Or I think of a not very important question that needs Googling straight away. And so after a page or two of my book, I used to come out of the book, you know, put the book down, throw it down, come out of the Kindle book and then go off and be distracted. And so it took me forever to read a book. My mind was only half on what I was reading. And this sort of made me feel very pathetic. I thought, I am not in control of my life at all. There's all these other distractions which are leading me this way and that way. And I'm not getting the things done that are important to me. So I reassessed. And 
Yes, I've been reading books. I got rid of a lot of those distractions. I practice reading. You know, some I don't know if you've done this, but you get that sort of itchy finger that you just want to press something to find out something not very important. And it's has been almost like I've had to sit on my fingers and make myself go through that agony of um, not being allowed to wander all over the place and to concentrate on one task at a time. And yes, I'm reading again, and that feels really good. And not only am I reading again, I'm reading quite quickly. Uh, I think I have read... 41 books uh, so far this year and at the moment I've got three or four books on the go which is okay because they're all very different books but I am well into all of those books. It's not a case of I've gone from one to another and I'm not going to finish the first one. I'm going to finish them all and yeah it's been hard but it has also been profitable because I have some books that I want to tell you about. Now, the first one I found out, um, I was oh, scrolling through my YouTube feed. That's one other thing that I feel I get lost in sometimes. You know, that feeling that you've, you can't really find anything that you want to watch, but you keep on hoping that you will. And you click on uh, a link, watch a video, start to watch it. A minute or two into it, you think, nah, this isn't really what I want to watch. And so you scroll a bit more. Well, occasionally, I have come across some videos, very occasionally, that have been very interesting. And um, unexpectedly, YouTube was very kind to me. It put in uh, some interesting videos in my feed, which I have actually enjoyed. Now, oh, did I write down the person's name, the channel? He was a full-time doctor at one stage. You might know him. Ali Abad, maybe? Hang on a minute. I'm going to go find out and I will tell you. Well, I got the YouTube channel, the YouTubers, I should say, name, uh, half right, Ali Abdal, and he is in the UK, and he was uh, studying to be a doctor, I think, when he first started uh, recording videos on YouTube. Since then, he has qualified, very intelligent man, and he has swapped medicine for um, to be an entrepreneur and yes he's making loads of money sharing good ideas online a very interesting person and I was watching a video the other day about his recommendations for books for 2023 now I've read oh heaps of fiction this year but only a handful of non-fiction. And that's what I was looking for, for, for recommendations for. Yes, I wanted some good non-fiction books, something to expand my brain a bit. Though I think novels do that as well, but in a different way. Now, one of the books that Ali Abdal recommended um, was Storyworthy. Worthy. 
Now, if I just have a look at my notes, because I got notes today. I'm getting all organized. I'm going to tell you more about that in the, in a minute. Now, the book Story Worthy, uh, the subtitle is Engage, Teach, Persuade, and Change Your Life Through the Power of Storytelling. And the author is Matthew Dix, who is an elementary school teacher, storyteller, blogger. I think he has a podcast. Uh, what else? Oh, he's a fiction, he writes fiction, novelist. Yes, uh, he does a lot of things. He's also made a couple of TEDx talks. Now, the word story attracted me because, as you probably know, I love telling stories. But I also recognize I could be better at telling those stories. There's always ways to improve, isn't there? Now, I said right at the beginning of this episode that it has been a long time since my last podcast, and my excuse for that is that I've run out of things to say. I keep saying that, and I wonder, is that just an excuse? Perhaps I do have more stories to tell. And... This is why I'm re- what I got out of the book. Well, I haven't quite finished it yet, but I've read enough of it to tell you something about it and to have already learnt something from it. Um, perhaps I'll just read a little bit of what I found on Matthew Dix's um, website about the book. He says, whether we realise it or not, We are always telling stories on a first date or job interview, at a sales presentation or therapy appointment, with family or friends. We are constantly narrating events and interpreting emotions and actions. In this compelling book, storyteller extraordinaire Matthew Dix presents wonderfully straightforward and engaging tips and techniques for constructing, telling, and polishing stories that will hold the attention of your audience, no matter how big or small. He shows that anyone can learn to be an appealing storyteller, that everyone has something story-worthy to express, And perhaps most important, that the act of creating and telling a tale is a powerful way of understanding and enhancing your own life. Now, obviously, Matthew Dix didn't uh, write those words. He wasn't speaking in the first person. I mean, he could have written them, um, but yeah, put them in the third person. So I got that wrong. But... Yes, I think that's a good uh, summary of what the book's all about. We are always telling stories. We've got so many stories in our lives. I just haven't found many recently, but it doesn't mean that those stories aren't there. I just have to polish up, focus a bit more, focus my story-finding lens. Now, Matthew Dix in one of his TEDx talks, uh, he gives his audience homework for life. Now, this, what he's suggesting is that at the end of each day, we all take five minutes 
to look through our days and find a story or two and jot it down. Just add enough words so that we will remember the story in the future. We don't actually have to write the story out in as a whole story. Um, and he says, it, it, it is Matthew Dix saying this, I sit down every evening and ask myself, what is my story from today? What is the thing that today about? Oh, I'll start that again. What is my story from today? What is the thing about today that has made it different from any previous day? Then I write my answer down. That's it. That's all I do. And if you do it, before long, you will have more stories than you could ever imagine. And I think doing that, looking for those stories... Uh, we realize that our lives aren't uneventful and uh, it helps, those stories helps us understand our lives. Uh, we retrieve memories as we're, we note down the story and that reminds us of something else. And before we know it, we're thinking about all kinds of things. Yes, we make sense of our days, our lives, and an interesting thing that Matthew Dick said is by doing our homework for life, we will slow down time and appreciate our days. Uh, yes, I've been discussing time with a friend recently, how time seems to whiz by and the older we get, the quicker time passes. And when we look back, we can't remember much about our days. We're busy, busy, busy. But what did we actually do a week ago, three days ago? What did I do yesterday? And stopping and thinking and writing a few words about our days and making sense of them actually puts us there in the moment and it slows down time or else it gives us that illusion. And one other thing that Homework for Life does is, and this is what Matthew Dix has uh, discovered, it gives us a big long list of stories and he shares his stories um, behind the mic. He's a, a stand-up storyteller and also he writes every day on his blog, shares a story. And of course, I like sharing stories too on my unschooling blog. And I have a second blog, which is sorely neglected again. I <laughs> haven't written a, for a while on it. It is called Holy Solely. And yes, I say to myself, oh, I don't know what I'm going to write about. There's nothing else to write about. So I'm going to do some homework for life and see Yes, what thoughts, what ideas, what stories I can discover and what I might be able to share through my podcast and blogs and around the dinner table and across uh, the cafe table when I'm out with my girls or whatever. You know, there's so many times when we get the opportunity to share stories. Now, I did my homework last night, my homework for life homework, and I'm going to tell you what I wrote down in my journal. 
I wrote a few words about a kangaroo that we saw in the in a garden across the road from our house. My husband Andy went to town on an errand yesterday afternoon and it was a long time coming in from the car and when he came through the door eventually I said, did you have a problem? And he said, oh no, I was watching the kangaroo. There's a huge kangaroo across the road. Now, I didn't stop to put my shoes on. I just grabbed my phone because I wanted a photo too. Now, it was raining at the time and the ground was sodden and I just went out in my socks and my feet got cold and wet, but I didn't care. I went and stood in the road and I looked across and I saw this big kangaroo and he saw me and we stood there staring at each other. Now, kangaroos aren't particularly rare where where we live. We live right next to the bush. There's bush at the back, over our back fence. There's a couple of houses uh, between us and the bush. It only takes a minute for us to get into the bush. And we often see kangaroos. So this wasn't a rare sight. We've even seen kangaroos down our street quite a few times as well. But I never ever get um, over the thr- get over the thrill. I w- I'm always delighted. I'm always thrilled and fascinated um, by kangaroos. It's yeah, just something about them. Just standing there, this big creature looking at me, and me looking at them—a huge delight. Now, my daughter Charlotte came home in her car. <laughs> While I was standing out there in the rain watching this kangaroo and she pulled up outside our house and the kangaroo didn't pay any attention to her car. It just kept on standing there staring at me. Yes, um, the only time it isn't a thrill to see a kangaroo is when they're hopping across the road in front of a car. They come out of the bush unexpectedly and Bam, quite often, cars will hit them. We've had a few accidents with our cars and kangaroos. It's a fairly common occurrence. But yes, the magic, I think that's the thing I'm thinking about, magic moments. And so that was, um, yeah, one of my delights yesterday, one of my stories. And the other one, we went to Mass in the morning. It was Sunday yesterday. And as we were driving to town, Most of the trees, I was looking out the window at all the trees, and most of the trees are still winter bare. Uh, Winter, I think we've got another two or three weeks of winter, and it's grey, cool, uh, wet at the moment. It feels like winter. But I saw a few trees. I have no idea what variety they are because I was in the car and I only got a quick glimpse, but I saw this stand of trees that had a bright green fuzz of new leaves on top of them. You know, they're a bright green leaf fuzz. And yeah, that was a delight as well. And it made me think about the passing of seasons. We're coming into spring soon. Another year is ticking around. We're going around the cycle. What's ahead? What, what have we left behind? 
it's a good time, isn't it, to think about time and where we are and where we still want to go. There are a lot of delights that surround us, and I think that we're not very good at recognizing them, and maybe doing homework for life will help us just notice all the wonderful things in our lives and to look at them with wonder and awe. So that's Matthew Dick's Dix's book, um, Storyworthy. And as I said, he has done two TEDx talks, has a blog, uh, YouTube channel. I don't think I mentioned that. He's got his own YouTube channel and he's also on the Moth Storytelling channel. I'm not sure if those are the exact, is, is I'm not sure if that's the exact name of the channel, but you'll find it using those words, Moth. Uh, in America. I think there are actually events all around the world, but the main ones are in America. And these are events uh, where storytellers or those who would like to be storytellers come along and they put their names in a hat. And each evening, uh, 10 names are chosen from the hat and those 10 people then present a story up on stage behind the mic. And the stories are given a score and there's a winner. And the winner goes on to the Grand Slam, I think it's called. And Matthew Dix has won many, many slam events and Grand Slam events too. So there's also um, the podcast, um, the Moth podcast, with lots and lots of stories uh, from these events, and I've been listening to some of those. They're very entertaining. Also, they're very. Uh, it's very good to listen to other people tell stories when just to see examples, isn't it? We can learn from them, improve our own storytelling skills. Now, the second book that I have been reading. Oh, perhaps I should read connect that segment of this podcast with the blog post that I want to share with you today. I think I'll do that. Get it all in the right order. Now, I've chosen a blog post that I wrote on July the 29th, 2014. Wow, that's nine years ago. And I'm looking at the photo of my daughter, Gemma Rose. That's uh, the feature image for this blog post. Now, how did I say nine years? She would have been 10. And yeah, this blog post is about some time that Gemma Rose and I spent together one morning, I think, uh, at the food court of our local shopping centre. Mainly a conversation we had about writing. So I'm going to read that to you. The writing game, no shortage of writing ideas. My daughter Gemma Rose and I are having some mother-daughter time. We sit at one of the wobbly white tables in the shopping mall and sip our drinks. I have a coffee. She has a chocolate milkshake. What have you been enjoying recently? I ask. 
Gemma Rose sucks on her straw for a moment and then says, Writing. I love writing. There's lots to write about, isn't there? There is? Oh, yes. I have lots of writing ideas. And if I ever do get stuck, I have a game I like to play. I think of a word and then see if I can find a story to match. I'll show you. I look at Gemma Rose's camel-coloured coat. It has big round buttons. I say, buttons. Do you remember my grandmother's rusty red button tin? I could write a story about that. For a moment, we sip our drinks in silence, and then I say, give me a word. Gemma Rose looks around and then says, garbage bin. I have a great story about garbage bins, I smile. Do you remember when Duncan didn't put out the garbage bins on Christmas Eve? The truck came to empty them in the early hours of Christmas morning. We arrived home from midnight mass, seconds too late. There is a lot more to that story, but I won't tell you everything. I might write the story out properly another day. I have a word for you, I say. Nose. That's easy, says Gemma Rose. I could write about Nora's huge nose. Our puppy is always a good subject for a story. Donuts. Did you know Sophie was quite upset when she discovered donuts are deep fried? All that oil. Perhaps it's better not to know how things are cooked, I say, or what they're made from. Like chicken nuggets. Things are not always what they appear to be. That would be a good subject for a story. Gemma Rose sucks her milkshake noisily up her straw. Straw, I say. Advent, Gemma Rose replies instantly. We earn straws to put in the nativity stable during Advent. Actually, I've written a story about those straws. It's in my Angels of Abbey Creek book. Gemma Rose and I trade a few more words before I say, We have millions of stories that we could tell. Everyone does. They are the stories of our lives. All we have to do is decide which ones we want to tell. Then when we have a story idea, we need to make sure we add some feelings to it. Is it a happy story or a sad one? Perhaps it's a frightening story. Is it a funny one? The garbage story is really funny, smiles Gemma Rose. I wonder if I can find the right words to make people smile when I come to write it. Have you ever noticed how we often learn something from our stories, like how food can taste good until you know exactly what it's made from? Or never assume the garbage truck won't arrive to empty the bins in the early hours of Christmas Day. Sometimes unexpected things happen. Or Christmas wouldn't be the same without all the traditions. Coming to some conclusion makes a story even better. You can just retell something that happened 
or you can learn something from it. Then when your story is written, all you need to do is post it on your blog. I finish. Shimmer Rose frowns. And then everyone can ignore it. No one reads my blog stories. She sighs. I know how she feels. It's nice to share our stories with other people. We want to know whether we have successfully put our thoughts into words. Can the reader see the story that exists in our heads? Can they feel what we're feeling? But even when no one reads our words, it is still worth writing. We can enjoy our own stories, even if no one else wants to share them. I lean across the table towards Gemma Rose and say in a low voice, Shall I tell you a secret? Sometimes I visit my blogs and read my own posts. She grins. I like to remember all the things I write about. It's like going back in time and, and, and enjoying everything all over again. We stand up and gather together our shopping bags. It's time to go home. As I watch Gemma Rose push our empty cups into the garbage bin, the word coffee suddenly pops into my head. I smile. That's easy. I could write a story about our mother-daughter time and how Gemma Rose and I played the writing game while I drank coffee. And that's just what I've done. From that story, you will realize that I did know that our lives are made up of stories. Yes, so many stories. I, maybe I just forgot about it. Anyway, it has been a good reminder uh, reading Matthew Dix's book, Storyworthy. And I'm hoping to learn how to improve my stories now that I have actually found out how to get a long list of story ideas. Right, on to my next book. Uh, this one, I also, it was also on, I'm not sure now. I also found it on YouTube, I know that. I don't know if it was on Ali Abdal's list, it was probably on one of his lists, book lists, because I know he's a big advocate of second brains, and that's what I'm going to be talking about now. Now, the book I haven't read, but I have read around the subject a lot. I've read the author's blog. I've watched videos on YouTube about second brains. Um, yes, maybe I will buy the book, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the book is called Building a Second Brain, A Proven Method to Organize Your Digital Life and Unlock Your Creative Potential by Tiago Fort, or is it Forte? And the word Forte, music, F-O-R-T-E, Tiago, T-I-A-G-O, F-O-R-T-E, that's the author's name. And I've watched a number of his um, videos on YouTube. So I've got the idea about second brains. 
and I went to his blog, and this is what I found on his blog. How many times have you tried to remember something important and felt it slip through your grasp? How often have you struggled to recall even one useful takeaway from a book or article you read? How much time have you wasted looking for a document or file you were sure you saved? If your first thought was, this happened to me today, then you're not alone. The sheer amount of information flooding our brains every day is overwhelming. Information overload has long since become information exhaustion, taxing our mental resources and leaving us constantly anxious that we're forgetting something. Yet, information is the fundamental building block of everything we do. Anything you want to accomplish, from executing a project at work to getting a new job, learning a new skill and starting a business, requires finding and putting the right information to use. Your professional success and quality of life directly depend on your ability to manage the information around you. Now it's time to acknowledge that we can't use our head to store everything we need to know and outsource the job of remembering to technology. This is where a second brain comes in. To make effective use of information, we need to package it up and make it accessible for our future self. Building a second brain is a way to cultivate a growing body of knowledge that is uniquely your own. So when the opportunity arises, whether that's giving a big presentation, launching a new product, or starting a business or a family, you'll have access to the wisdom you need to make sound decisions and take the most effective action. Yes, uh, information overload. Every time I go on the internet, yes, all this information comes hurtling towards me. Uh, Less so these days since I deleted my social media accounts. I deleted my Instagram account for the third time maybe a month ago. It has gone permanently deleted. Oh, I just got so overwhelmed every time I signed into my account and all those posts, all the photos, all the captions, all the reels, all the ads, everything just hit me. And yeah, it made me feel sick inside. And I thought I can do without all this. I cannot cope. And I deleted my account. And I have decided that I'm not going back, even though it was my third account and I have changed my mind before. No, I'm going, I don't think this time I will go back to social media. And yeah, if I can get my YouTube channel scrolling in order, that's another thing. Um, but, and my itchy finger, just, yeah, surfing the net, looking for stuff. But, I mean, it's not bad, all this information. It's just, it needs sifting, doesn't it? It all comes hurtling towards us and we need to know what's useful and what is not. We don't want to be drowned in it. And some of the information is worth keeping. And, but how do we store it properly? Now, for many, many years, I have been keeping a notebook, an Evernote notebook, of all the links to websites, videos, uh, software, books, whatever, music, that might come in handy one day. But the funny thing is, I hardly ever go back and look at that, um, that notebook. 
is just one big long list of stuff. And what I have got from reading uh, about Second Brains is that I've been making a, a bit of a mistake. Instead of just collecting everything because it might be useful or it's interesting, I should think more carefully about what I do want to save and then store it in such a way that it will be helpful and retrievable. So, for example, um, instead of collecting YouTube channels or blog posts, I should collect resources for, for example, improving my photography or improving my storytelling. That should be the category. And then I insert all the relevant information that I come across into that category so that when I get a chance and I think, look, I really want to work hard on this story today. I need some tips. I can go to my storytelling category and scroll through all the relevant information. It's there at my fingertips and it's useful for me. It's in a way I can use it. Instead of scrolling through this endless Evernote notebook that I probably haven't tagged properly, uh, yes, and then because I've got everything organized properly into projects, I think that's one of the words that uh, people associate with Second Brains is projects. You have your information and then you assign the information to your projects so that it instantly has a use. And yeah, I thought, yes, I'm going to start a second brain. I'm going to just leave that Evernote notebook and start again, do it properly. So I thought, how shall I organize my second brain? Should I, should I just do it in Evernote, uh, but organize things differently? And that is an option. And I did come across a blog post saying cr- something like creating a second brain using Evernote. And some people do that. And then I thought... Hmm, I've got Apple Notes. Perhaps I could create my second brain in Apple Notes. And so I tried that method. And the wonderful thing about Apple Notes is if you are have an Apple device, it doesn't cost anything to use Apple Notes, unlike Evernote. But it's also far simpler than Evernote, which might be an advantage for people who don't want to be overwhelmed by technology, who don't want to learn uh, the ins and outs of using a more complicated note-taking system. And anyway, this is what I was thinking about when I heard of a notion. And notion seems to be very, very popular for second brains. And I watched a few videos about it. And I thought, notion, notion is the thing. I'm going to create my second brain in notion. And so I opened it up and I got lost. And I thought, no, maybe I don't want to. Maybe I'll go back to Evernote. Maybe I'll do Apple. And then I realized that some of the features of Notion were worth learning. And because I am very tech-minded that way, I mean, I don't program or anything, uh, but I do love the challenge of working out useful ways of using new technologies. There's nothing I enjoy more than spending an afternoon researching a particular type of app and comparing them all and seeing how I can use them in my work or in my... Uh, for my interests. So I like that sort of thing. So I decided that, yes, 
I would learn Notion. And I downloaded Notion and it's a free app, which is rather remarkable considering its complexity. And I watched a Skillshare video about Notion and it just so happens to be presented by Ali Abdal. So that was a real um, attraction to the video. And I spent maybe a day, I was doing other things as well, but it did take me the best part of a day to work out Notion and to get my second brain set up. But now I do, I have a second brain and I, well, I've got categories like a writing and then under that blog posts and under that, um, and then as well, book ideas. Um, and I'm slotting in information into my categories as I come up, stumble across the information And as I also, as I have my own thoughts, because second brains are good places to store our own thoughts and ideas as well before they escape. I mean, if you ever had um, a really good idea, say in the shower, you think it's, you know, a big idea, a fantastic idea. And by the time you've got out of the shower, got dressed and you go and make a cup of coffee and then you think, now, what was that idea? the idea has gone. Quite often that happens to me, but what if we could capture all of our great ideas? Where would they lead? So this morning I had an idea about some blog posts and I just kept repeating it to myself. This idea as I was getting out of the shower and getting dressed, kept making sure I wasn't going to lose this idea. And then as soon as I could, I headed to my Notion um, app, my second brain, and I typed in a few words to remind myself of this idea. Now, um, what else have I got to say about uh, that? Oh, there's loads of information about second brains um, online. But what I want to do is uh, put forward the idea that we could create second brains for our children, or we could help them create their own second brains, depending on their age and whether they want to or not. Now, I have uh, written quite a few blog posts, um, recorded podcasts, and also written about uh, uh, what I'm trying to tell you about is strewing notebooks. Uh, Strewing and planning or unplanning notebooks. Uh, Yes, that's the subject that I have written about quite a lot in on my blog, spoken about in my podcasts, and written about in my books. The idea is that we keep a notebook full of ideas that we could strew in front of our children. And also these uh, resources that we're gathering could be used as our planning a notebook when homeschool registration time comes around. And so when our authorised person comes to visit and she might say, all right, where's your plan for the next two years? Show me something that um, your kids are going to be doing. And of course, she expects the plan to cover the school syllabus. Well, at least that's the case in New South Wales, Australia. And I used to, because I don't have any homeschooling children anymore, but I used to open up my strewing and planning notebook and say to her, here's some of the resources. My children will be dipping into this notebook. It is full of resources that cover the 
topics in the school's syllabus. And I didn't promise that they would use all of the notes, all the resources, and it wasn't, uh, the, the notes didn't cover everything possible in the school syllabus. But as I said to her, I was always, I'm, I did always add to the notebook. And she was happy with that. She could see that I had lots of science notes, lots of geography ones, history, maths, whatever. And we knew what we were doing. So that's during and unplanning or planning a notebook uh, was a popular idea. It sort of uh, covered the problem of how do one schoolers write plans when we don't know what we'll be doing? Maybe tomorrow, the next next week, certainly not in six months' time. Do we write a plan and then not use it? But that would be a waste of time. What is a better way of using our time? We could create a stewing and planning notebook. Now, the second brain idea, I think, could be linked to this stewing and planning notebook. Uh... Now, I always organized my notebooks. I tagged all my notes with the school subjects because that's what our authorized person expected to see. That was the most, uh, what's the word, um, efficient maybe or effective way of tagging my notes. Uh, I wanted my children's registrations to be approved. And so I gave my authorized person the information in a way that was that made it clear to her that my children were learning um, the school subjects even though they weren't learning about them in a conventional way and they weren't using textbooks and they weren't um, learning about them in the way that school kids would, but they were still learning. So, yes, I have those notebooks still on Evernote. And if I was going to turn them into a second brain for my children, or if I was going to continue that string notebook as a second brain, I could add more tags, I think, and add like project project tags, like, uh, for example, uh, photography um, for some of the science ones or creative arts ones, I could also add photography ideas or more specifically, uh, photography for harsh sunlight conditions. Then my children would be able would be able to, when they're doing their interests, my children would have been able to have done a search through Evernote to find the resources that were most relevant to the project they were working on at that particular moment. If I was starting again and I only wanted a second brain and I wasn't uh, for my children and I wasn't uh, worried about school subjects, I would do it in the same way as mine. I would list their interests, which would change over time. I would then have, the list would increase. And under those interests, I might have subheadings. And these would be the places that we would put all the information that we stumble, that we would stumble across in the course of our days, or when we did some Googling or something like that, so that we could find it again. And looking at, at projects, you know, when you've got information in a, it, to gather together in a project, 
Sometimes it initiates a new idea or it pushes you to actually reach a particular goal. Um, so you could say, look, I could add this idea to that idea and how about I, I could go off and do this with all this information. Now I'll give you an example of something that I used to do with my kids regularly a few years ago. We used to make music videos. You might know that they're on my daughter Imogen Elvis's YouTube channel. She did the singing, uh, played the background music, arranged the music, and Sophie uh, filmed uh, the videos for her. Did all the editing. Um, the color correction, all, all those sort of things. And I took photos, the behind the scenes photos. And my daughter, youngest daughter, Gemma Rose, was in, had a few uh, jobs of her own. She used to be in charge of playing the backing tracks and a few other things. But anyway, if we had if we had a project called Music Videos, now I think of all the things that would be useful for that. Locations. We could add notes, clip things from the internet, add our own notes about possible locations for a video. We could add uh, songs. Imogen probably had a list of possible songs that she would like to record. If we found any more, just by stumbling, Googling, we could add them to the possibility list. Outfits that she could wear, hairstyles. Uh, Sophie was always looking for braiding uh, videos on YouTube so that she could braid Imogen's long hair. That was one of the features of Imogen's appearance for the videos. Um... Just trying to think of other things, um, of video editing techniques. Um, occasionally, the girls would talk about how to get a certain look to the video and how do they do that. Um, just looking at my notes to see if there was anything else there. Um, promotion ideas. But yeah, gather all this information under the heading music videos, which was one of our projects, all there together. And then maybe while we're looking at it all, we might think, oh, look, this song would be great to record at this location. We have all the information at our fingertips. It makes achieving goals much easier, much easier than getting um, to... <laughs> two days before we're supposed to make a music video and saying, oh, look, what are we, where are we going to go to record this song? And then making a last-minute decision and rushing around the house thinking, what clothes, what clothes? And Sophie, Sophie, have you got a hairstyle? Usually Imogen was much more um, organised than us. She always had the song arranged, recorded uh, and ready to go. So... Um, we could help our kids make second brains. We could yeah, just share how it's done. We could rearrange our string notes uh, into a second brain. I think that it would be very impressive for 
um, the education department to see our kids' second brains. Also, Notion has this uh, function for, for their databases that uh, we can add uh, progress tags like not started, uh, in progress, completed. And those are the sort of tags we could add to our notes to our second brains, they could be added to Evernote notebooks as well so that our APs or authorised people could see exactly what our children have achieved and what they would like to achieve in the future. I hope that didn't sound too confusing. It's very hard to explain, I think, with just audio. Um, but there are a lot of resources online and I'll add some links maybe to the blog post that will go with this podcast. And if you're anything like me, you will enjoy diving deep into the subject of second brains and maybe having all sorts of ideas about how you could organize your homeschool records, which makes me think that um, the how at one time I hated keeping homeschool records. And I know a lot of other people do as well. And oh, many years ago, I decided that I had to do something about my attitude towards homeschool record keeping because it wasn't going to go away. And yes, I couldn't just you know, grumble about it every day and treat it as a burden. I had to find a use for it, not only for the education department, but for myself and my family. And so I promoted the idea of viewing our homeschool records as family journals, as well as evidence for homeschool registration. And yeah, this is, well, it was, I've stopped keeping these uh, records now that all my children have grown up. But it was a good idea because we all enjoy scrolling through our homeschool record notebooks and remembering, hey, mom, do you remember when we made that music video? Do you remember when we went to the beach and took those photos? Do you remember when we watched that movie together? And yes, it's a record of our unschooling lives up, well, as far as um, till about maybe, I don't know, two or three years ago. Now, um, yes, so this is another reason why I'm just thinking of a second reason why it would be good to keep homeschool records because they could become our kids' second brains. They would be really useful sources of information. And even if you're not required to keep homeschool records. Maybe you would like to consider whether it's useful to keep second brains, create second brains, build up second brains for yourself and your kids. Um, yes, we're more likely to complete our projects know, if we know where we're going and we've got all the information or at least we've got a lot of information gathered together in a way that is useful. So that's second brains. I don't think I've got anything more to say about that. You could have a look at the book, um, YouTube channels, or YouTube videos. There's, there, there's videos on lots of channels. Um, what else? Blog posts. Did I say that? Right, I'm coming to the end of episode 192. And 
I will just give you a quick update about my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. A few months ago, I can't remember when exactly, maybe April, I wrote a post saying, goodbye, stories of an unschooling family. I said I'd said all I could think of to say. My kids were grown up and I didn't want to invade their privacy by telling their adult stories and I didn't have anything else to share. And I was moving on to a new blog, which is called Holly Solly. Well, my, um, I resolved to stay away, um, my decision to leave my blog while it lasted, I didn't know, quite a few weeks before I crept back and thought, hey, I really want to share this and I really want to share that. And so what I've been doing is I've been diving into my archive and finding a post or two to share in a new post with a new introduction and new resources, presenting old posts in new ways. So there is some new material, but the posts are centered around posts from my archive. And yeah, maybe you haven't read all the posts in my archive. Maybe I'm bringing some to your attention that you might find interesting and helpful. Well, that's what I'm hoping. So... Yes, you will find me on my blog at the moment. Um, so please go and visit my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, where yeah, I'm still sharing. And I'm not on Instagram, as I said. I've closed my account. But I've learned how to share reels on my blog. And you might find some reels in my sidebar. Yes, I'll explain how I do that another day, but they're vertical videos in my sidebar, just like reels on Instagram. Um, what else? Of course, you'll find my books on Amazon, Curious Unschoolers, Radical Unschool Love, and the latest one, The Unschool Challenge. So... If you haven't sub sub subscribed to this podcast or my blog, please do. And if you find if you have found anything that I have done helpful, please share it with somebody that you think would find it helpful as well. Yes, share things by word of mouth. And maybe if you are on um, social media, you could share a few of my links instead of me sharing them. So... I think I finished. All I need to do now is to say that I hope to be back with another episode. We'll see how long it takes me to record episode 193. Uh, but until then, don't forget to live a radical life of unconditional love. <laughs>